When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back, everyone. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode with the interview between me, Matt, and Ron. It was fun to talk to some Phillies fans. As always, it's fun to talk to rival teams, their fan bases, and especially when we can be respectful for each other and not talk smack, but just really talk the game of baseball. So that was a lot of fun. Today, we're going to talk about specifically some of the trade deadline acquisitions and how they're doing and why it makes Alex Anthopoulos look like a genius. All right, with that, let's get started. First off, before we get started, I'd like to apologize for last week's episode coming out late. There was a technical difficulty that I didn't realize had happened, and I was on vacation with my family and did not have my equipment with me to fix it. So, there was really nothing I could do until I came back and was able to get the episode up and running and going. And so I apologize for that, but I sure do hope that you enjoyed the interview with Ron and Matt. And I hope that you stayed till the end where you heard my daughter be able to do the outro. She asked if she could, and I thought that was really fun. And I hope that she enjoyed it. And, you know, when she gets older, maybe she'll get into podcasting or the Braves like I am or whatever. And so that was a lot of fun. But today we're going to talk about some of the trade deadline acquisitions and how they're doing and how it just, again, blows my mind how good of a GM that Alex Anthopoulos is. I mean, yet again, his pickups looked like they weren't going to be anything anything special, and here we are. They're being key contributors right out the gate, and uh, it's been really, really fun to watch. Of course, when the trade deadline ended, it was kind of underwhelming, if you will, because there were not any splashy moves made by the Atlanta Braves. Of course, we kind of knew that that possibility was there just simply because most of their splashy moves happened in the offseason. And that's typically the mode of operation for Alex Anthopoulos, other than the time when he added the three outfielders because he absolutely had to. Most of the time, he does not like doing bidding wars during the trade deadline. We've seen that time and time again. Of course, in his time in Toronto, we saw him do things like pick up David Price back when David Price was in his prime. But, 
again, that's not typically his mode of operation with the Braves payroll. And so we, we shouldn't have been shocked. But first, let's talk about Nicky Lopez. We knew, right, when he was picked up, he was picked up off of waivers, essentially. And so it wasn't really a true trade deadline acquisition, but technically it was. And the Braves got him for essentially free by trading a guy that they paid cash for. Mind you, the team that traded for Taylor Hearn could have also got Nicky Lopez because he was higher on they were higher on the waiver priority list. So it is kind of funny. But either way, it works it's worked out great so far. We know that Ozzy Albies is on the ten day injured list. And so Nicky Lopez is able to step up right now. And also shout out to Von Grissom playing so well in the minors that they've brought him back up to fill in as well if needed but either way Nicky Lopez right out of the gate in the two games that he's started so far at the time of this recording is hitting 700 he's had some clutch hits I think he has eight RBIs one of his hits was a home run one was a double of course he's not gonna be able to keep that up but when you pick up players again it's not for who they are in the past it's what they can do in the future and they picked him up for essentially free to be a role player and his role, he is playing extremely well. And so I'm really excited about Nicky Lopez. Not to mention, he is one of the best defenders in Major League Baseball. So, Ozzy Albies has had a down year defensively. Nicky Lopez is one of the best defenders in Major League Baseball. So, Nicky Lopez doesn't necessarily have to have a fantastic bat. Like we've said in the past, the Braves are on a tear offensively to where they could have the best offense that they've had since 1897. So it's not like losing Ozzy Albies is going to destroy their chances of making the postseason, especially since they're 12 and a half games up on the Phillies. And the way that Brian Snicker talked about it, it made it seem like Ozzy Albies going on the IL is more so precautionary, and he should be able to come back just fine in 10 days when he's eligible to come back. All right, let's look at the first Colorado pitcher that the Braves picked up in Brad. Well, I guess I should say the first pitcher we're going to look at that the Braves got from Colorado is Brad Hand. Of course, a lot of people were wondering why the Braves traded for Brad Hand, even though if you've paid attention over his career, you'll know that Brad Hand has been very dominant when he's very good. He has closing experience, etc., he used to be one of the best relief pitchers in Major League Baseball. But you could say the same thing about guys like Kirby Yates as well. But either way, Brad Hand has not been having a good year this year. Of course, you can always look at the fact that he was playing at Coors Field and that that has an effect. But we talked about earlier that really, and I'll give credit to Trent here, Trent Dickinson, who is a good friend of mine, pointed out that the reason he's so successful is because he is elite against left-handed hitters. In fact, he's only given up one home run against left-handed hitters all year long. And so that's really the reason the Braves picked him up. But let's look at how he's done so far. So far for the Braves, he did have one outing that was not good, where he gave up three hits and two earned runs and had one walk to one strikeout. That was against the Pirates on August 10th. However, other than that performance, he's been very solid. In fact, he's only given up a walk 
two walks since he's pitched for the Braves in five innings. And he's only given up six hits, but three of those were in that same outing. And one of those two walks was in that same outing. Outside of that, he has three other outings, four outings rather, of the five that he did not give up a run. And two outings that he did not give up a hit. He has an ERA of 3.6 so far for the Atlanta Braves. And if you take away the one outing on August 10th, he has an ERA of zero. So outside of that one bad outing, he's been stellar. Which is, again, why you don't really look at ERA for relief pitchers. Because one bad outing can balloon their ERA. Uh, Even though a 3.6 ERA is still below what he's had this entire season. And would be very much acceptable for a relief pitcher in today's game. So, it's a... We, Brad Hand was not acquired to be an elite reliever. He was added to be reliever depth, and he is doing that. Four out of his five outings have been exceptional, alongside with one bad outing against, mind you, a bad offense in the Pittsburgh Pirates. But for whatever reason, the Braves couldn't do anything against the Pirates. The Braves are having a rough time with the Pirates. Starters, relievers, it was crazy. Uh, it's really interesting. It's why baseball is so fun. You can have the best team playing against the worst team, and the worst team can get hot at the right time. And the best team just not do well at the same time. It was a lot of fun to watch, even as a Braves fan. But Brad Hand has been exceptional for the Braves so far, and that's been really fun to watch. And again, the Braves gave up essentially nothing for Brad Hand. A lottery ticket, if you will. So... And not the good kind, not the ten, not the $20 scratch-off tickets, like the $1 lottery ticket that you scratch off and maybe win $10,000 if you're the luckiest man on the planet. So, it's one of those lottery tickets. And the Braves are getting a lot out of Brad Hinton so far. Will he make the postseason roster? We'll see. It depends on how he pitches for the rest of the year. But he's been pretty good. And it's been really fun to watch. So, so far we have Nicky Lopez, who's been really good, outperforming his metrics so far. Brad Hand, who is pitching out of his mind so far, other other than against the one game against the Pirates. So, so far, two for two have looked good. But the final guy I want to talk about is Pierce Johnson. Pierce Johnson has been playing like crazy. And we knew that looking at some things, that he was going to regress to the mean, if you will, meaning that he was unlucky and he was going to get better. But it's been really impressive to watch, and I kind of want to break down why that he has gotten a lot better and what he's changed his approach on. So I want to talk to you guys about something, Magic Mind. I'll be honest with you, I don't typically like green drinks, if you will, but I was starting to get to the point to where I needed to try something new. I was drinking way too much coffee, I couldn't stay focused, and I was constantly crashing from taking so much caffeine. So you know what? I decided to try it. I typically don't like green drinks. I don't like the taste, the flavor, the consistency, but Magic Mind was different. You know, it's the type of drink I could take as a, it's a little shot, you can take it any time. And I started taking it with me at work, and it made my life way better. I was able to focus better. I was able to cut back on my coffee intake. I have a desk job, and I was drinking way too much coffee. 
It's really helped me to focus, and also it's allowed me to focus more on doing my research for these podcasts. It takes a lot of time and effort to do the research and focus to think of points to get your point across, and Magic Mind has really helped me with that. And the great thing is that it's got all natural ingredients. That's my favorite part about it. I I personally am trying to get more natural with everything I eat and drink, and this has been awesome. It's got all different types of natural matcha, lion's mane mushrooms, cordyceps mushrooms, and guess what? I don't even like mushrooms, but I like this drink. It's crazy. That's awesome. I highly recommend going to the Magic Mind website, and you can get a limited 56 off your first subscription and then 20% off a one-time purchase with this unique Braves dugout code. Go to www.magicmind.com Braves and enter the code Braves20 for your limited 56% off subscription within the next 10 days. You guys can thank me later. So let's talk about Pierce Johnson and what he has done for the Braves. It's been incredible. Uh, in fact, I'm sure a lot of people didn't know it, and I do know that for a fact that a lot of people didn't realize this because when I tweeted about it, it went, I guess you could say, semi-viral because I don't think a lot of people realized how well Pierce Johnson has been for the Braves. Of course, this trade got a lot of flack because when the Braves traded for him, he had a 6 ERA, and of course, the casual fan, which again, let me state, there is nothing wrong with being a casual fan. Be a fan however you want to be a fan. You don't have to be the guy or girl that dissects every trade and figures out why the trades are made. You don't have to learn all the analytics. If you want to just sit down on your couch and enjoy baseball, sit down on your couch and enjoy baseball. Enjoy baseball however you want to enjoy baseball. That's what it's all about. But either way, the casual fan, if you will, when I say casual, some people use that as kind of a derogatory term. I don't mean that. I mean like the people that just enjoy baseball by watching baseball. The people that do not do not care about dissecting trades, do not care about learning analytics. There's nothing wrong with that. But there are fans that don't do that, and that's fine. But those, a lot of those fans don't that don't take the time and research or dissect analytics or why trades are made or whatever a lot of them were confused about the trade and it makes sense i mean the casual fan will just the first thing to look at when you get a picture is look at their era or look at their win-loss record or whatever and we've dissected why you don't do that but the casual fan hasn't and that's why a lot of people have got uh, got upset about the trade and i understand that but hopefully you're here because you want to dissect trades and dissect statistics or at least listen to me do it for you, <laughs> which I'm happy to do. I love doing. But I think that's why a lot of fans were upset about Pierce Johnson is he had 60 RA at the time of the Braves trading for him and it didn't make sense on the surface level before we dug into it. And so that makes sense why a lot of people are confused on the trade. And so that also makes sense why they're shocked that he's doing so well. Let's dig into how it kind of looked like it was a good move to begin with. Of course, the Braves traded nothing to get him. In fact, people weren't even complaining about what the Braves gave to get him because they didn't even know who it was, right? Most people, so yeah. Anyways, when that happens, it's almost like what can you even complain about? You're trading nothing to get something that could possibly help you, and if not, 
no big deal. Either way, before he got traded to the Braves, he had an ERA of 3.27 and a FIP of 3.09 in his last 12 appearances. And in 9 of those appearances, which were at Coors Field, meaning 9 of the 12 appearances being at home, that's a hitter-friendly park, it shows that over the last 12 appearances, it's not like Coors Field was affecting him negatively to a point that you'd really want to talk about it. And, the, you know, hitters were still getting on base, but the difference was that his slugging percentage against him had dropped tremendously from 491, 491 up to that point down to 356. So basically, early in the year, he was giving up home runs, and that is no longer happening. We also know that up to that point, he had a 412 batting average of balls and plays against him. So with the league, even with the league average being up 9 points, .009 if you will, over last year due to the limited shift, it's still a lot higher than league average, which is 305. When you have a pitcher with a batting average of balls in play, that's 100 points, well, more than 100 points over the league average of batting average of balls in play, odds are you're going to see his surface numbers come back to earth uh, in, in terms of being unlucky. So we knew that Pierce Johnson was going to be better in Atlanta than he was in Coors Field beyond just the fact that he was pitching in Coors Field because we're looking at things like FIP, expected ERA, and things like that. All of it pointed towards, and batting average and balls in play, all of it pointed towards him being unlucky over at Coors Field and it not being just due to the fact that he was pitching in Coors Field a lot. But what's been awesome is even his expectancy stats, you know, like XERA, expected ERA, expected weighted on base average, have been better since he's pitched for Atlanta. And again, weighted stats factor in ballparks. So it shows that even after switching to Atlanta, it was, again, not simply because he was switching from Coors Field to Atlanta. Since August has started, his expected weighted on base average has dropped tremendously on all of his pitches uh, accumulated together. He has an expected weighted on-base average against him of 288 since the month of August started, which is well below his 333 in July and 339 in June and 361 in May. Again, this is weighted, so him moving away from Coors Field would not have changed this at all. This shows that he is pitching better. So what exactly has changed? What has he done differently? Well, it appears that he has fixed his curveball. And he has figured out that that's his best pitch and he's pitching it a lot more. We can see that his usage of his curveball has gone way up. In the month of August, he's used the cur his curveball 73.1% of the time. No other month in this season has he pitched it more than 57.3% of the time. Of course, it's a small sample size pitching in August. We are halfway through August. It's still relatively a small sample size, but that's a massive jump in usage of his curveball. And hitters are struggling against his curveball. They have an expected batting average of 152 and an expected slugging percentage of 193. If you have a pitch where a batter is struggling to even get a hit with it at 152, and you're pitching it 73% of the time, you're going to have positive results. 
Of course, if you're pitching a pitch 73% of the time, pitchers are going to catch on to that. And if they see a curveball coming, they just won't swing at it. But of course, that means that they're going to have to hope that the other 27% of the time that they can find a pitch that they like. But it is really interesting, the math behind it all. But what has he done? Because it's not, you can't just simply look at it and say, oh yeah, they're not hitting it as well, but why not? You know, we can see that in the month of August, hitters' hard hit rate has plummeted, which is a large reason why their expected batting average is much lower. They're only hitting the ball hard 22.2% of the time in the month of August. In July, they were hitting his curveball almost hard almost 70% of the time. And in June, 53.8% of the time. So in the month of August, them being able to hit the ball hard has plummeted. And of course, again, that's going to really, that's the main reason why their expected batting average and expected slugging percentage is down so much. When you hit the ball harder, you have a higher likelihood of getting a hit and a higher likelihood of having a better slugging percentage. It's just math. What's interesting, though, is it's not like in some situations, the first thing you want to look at when you see a drop-off in expected batting average is you want to see, okay, is a pitcher locating his ball better? Are, or are hitters swinging and missing more often on the pitch? And actually, that's not happening. Pitchers are not, or hitters are not swinging and missing on his pitch any more often than they have the rest of the year, inside of the zone or outside of the zone. It's not like he's getting more whiffs, if you will. It's not like his strikeout rates, although they are good to begin with, are not going through the roof. That's not what's happening. But what is happening is he's inducing more ground balls. Right? So his ground ball rate is going up on his curveball, which has really helped. Of course, when you when your ground ball you get more ground balls, odds are you're going to get more outs. It's just the way it is. Because ground balls do not result in a hit as often as a line drive. Just to put it in perspective, how many more ground balls he's inducing in the month of August, 55.6% of the time when hitters make contact with the ball, it's a ground ball. That's his second highest month this year in terms of his curveball inducing grounders. And when I say his 55.6% clip, I'm talking specifically on his curveball. July, it was only 38.5% of the time, just to put it in perspective. But I want to talk about how what he's done to his curveball. Basically, he's made it to where it does not move vertically as much, you know, north to south. It's gone from moving 2.42 feet down to 1.62 feet. So he's tightening up, if you will, if that makes sense. He's tightening it up from the north to south standpoint. But from a horizontal standpoint, east to west, he has doubled his movement. At the beginning of the year, it was 0.18 feet. Down to now, up to July, it was up to 0.4 feet. And in August, about it's about 0.33 feet. But theoretically speaking, essentially, he has cut the amount it's moved from north to south in half and added it vertically. So his curveball is becoming more of like a slider. And it is very successful. Hitters are hitting it on the ground a lot more. So he's made adjustments 
We don't know if hitters are going to make adjustments yet, but as of right now, Pierce Johnson has made adjustments on his best pitch, which is his curveball, and pretty much making it unhittable. He's taking his unhittable pitch and pitching it much more than any other pitch. So right now, he has found his pitch. Of course, we can say right now that there's no possible way he's going to sustain the success. He's going to give up a run eventually. But also, he does have a strand rate of 90%, which means that 90% of runners that get on base never reach home plate. The league average is around 70%. Per, it's not exact, but typically every year the, the league average is around 70 to 72% left on base percentage or strand rate. Pierce Johnson's at 90. So even though his batting average of balls in play has come back down to earth, his strand rate has shot up. So if he continues to have runners on base that often, some of them are going to score. It's just going to happen. So we were not, we will not see him continue to have a 0.00 ERA for the rest of the year. Odds are saying at least it's possible, but odds are, are high that he's going to start giving some runs. But his curveball has been fantastic. He's well, he's done well above expectations when he was traded for. Even if he would have pitched exactly like he was pitching in Colorado, odds are that we would have still seen positive results, but he's gotten even better based on changing his curveball. And again, he will give up runs eventually because his strand rate is so high, but I'm extremely happy with what I've seen with Pierce Johnson, and I'm looking forward to continue to watch every single one of his appearances and see how he continues to succeed and continue, I guess, see Alex Anthopoulos put a feather in this cap on this move as, hey, I told you we were going to make a move at the trade deadline. That was good. Of course, he didn't say that. But that's what people on social media wanted to hear him say and do. And from a metaphorical standpoint, he did. He went out and he got what they needed, a back-end relief pitcher. Of course, I don't think that He's going to, uh, Brian Snicker's going to be using Pierce Johnson in a high leverage situation, like an uh, eighth inning with the bases loaded type deal, or eighth inning with when the Braves are within two runs, or something like that. The odds of that are slim, but he's still a very good seventh inning guy. He is the pitcher that a lot of people hoped Luke Jackson would be. Of course, Luke Jackson did come through in 2021, but... Pierce Johnson is pitching lights out, and I hope that he continues to do so. Why wouldn't you? And uh, it's, it, of course, we would have liked to see a flashy move at the trade deadline, but that's not necessarily what's needed when you have the best team in Major League Baseball, at least from a regular season standpoint. There's really no need to go out there and make a splashy move when you're going to set records offensively and you have been setting records offensively. And what you need is some defense. Well, the Braves got the best defensive infielder available. What you needed was a piece in the bullpen. The Braves added a piece in the bullpen. And they didn't really need a starter with Max Freed coming back because in the playoffs, you don't have a fifth starter. People keep bringing up the fifth starter, Yanni Chirinos. Yanni Chirinos is literally just holding a roster spot to eat some innings. Yes, you could make the argument that why isn't Mike Soroka doing that? I can get behind that argument. Trust me, I can. But to say that Yanni Chirinos was some type of flop in a trade, it was a waiver wire, waiver wire pickup to eat innings. 
The Braves are 12 and a half games up on the Phillies. You don't need a fifth starter. Not to mention, the Phillies could win out. Like, literally, the the Phillies could win every single one of their games from now to the end of the season. And the Braves would just need to have a winning percentage of 690, which they're at 650 right now. But, I mean, it just shows that the Braves don't have to go... Like, the Phillies could literally win out, and the Braves still have a legitimate chance of winning their division. The Braves have a 99.9% chance of winning their division. Do you really need a fifth starter? No, you don't. Would it be nice to have? Sure. Could Mike Soroka be that guy? Sure. But it is. I just think it's really interesting when people are getting super upset about Yanni Chirinos. It, this, last year, yeah, it wouldn't have made sense. It would have been stupid. The year before that, stupid. The year before that, wouldn't have made sense. This year, when you have a giant lead, there's no need to do anything crazy for a fifth starter. Especially when, but now that Max Fried is back, it is interesting that Torinos is still pitching. I will give you that. And I would like to see Mike Soroka pitch instead of Torinos. I'll give you that as well. I just am saying, I don't think there's really reason to, if you're, if the main thing you're upset about on a team is the fifth starter when you're up by 12 and a half games, that's a really freaking good team. That's all I'm saying. All right, that's this week's episode. Here's hoping that the Braves' trade acquisitions continue to do well and that the Braves continue to do well in their upcoming schedule. They do have a pretty easy schedule coming up, so here's to hoping they can continue to win. Don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at BravesDugoutPod or my personal Twitter at SPeopleSports. We have a Facebook page, a Facebook group. I love talking ball with you guys. You can email the show at BravesDugout at gmail.com for any business inquiries or anything like that. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the new baseball feed of Braves Country Cooking with Braves Dugout Pod and Chatting Average. So that in case people don't know that this new feed exists, that would really help. And as always, go Braves.